happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career. And you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie. My name's Caitlin. And this is our podcast where we talk about the role of women in movies. And oftentimes how movies don't treat women very well. Oh, rats. Don't. Yeah, as we always say here in the back to cast, rats and dope. dope. I'm excited for our episode today. I think we, we uh, I was pushing for this one. Mm-hmm, uh, you I, was, were. I was sending sending texts. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I was ambivalent, but because you wanted it, it made me excited. I'm a pusher. <laughs> I'm a pusher. That's a what? That's a Mean Girls quote? Doesn't yeah. matter. I push uh, people. I push people. But the, for this one, I, I felt like it was worth it. More and more frequently, we have people in our mentions asking for specific movies that they would like to see discussed. And I saw this movie pop up a number of times. Sort of wanted to see it myself and didn't realize at first. So we're, we're okay. Not to bury the lead because you already clicked on it. You know you're gonna. <laughs> we're, we're doing the new beguiled movie by Sofia Coppola, and I didn't know at first that it had previously been another movie, but my mom was like, "Oh, I loved the original." So did my mom. Right? She's because like, moms like are horny for Clint Eastwood. Horn- yeah, which is you know, there's a generational thing there, right? That we'll never quite understand. I wonder who that is for our generation. Like who? Like, when I talk to my kids someday, I'm like, how are you not horny for this guy? And yeah. she's going to oh. be like, I don't get it. I don't see it. Mm, I don't know. When I talk to my kids, I'll be like, why are you still here? I thought I aborted you. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to have a whole brood. And then I'm mm. going to sit them down and make them stare at uh, my framed portrait of Al- Alfred, Alfred Molina. Molina. Oh, there and it is. And be like, do you get it? <laughs> and then if they don't get it, I got to lock the door. And we got to stay there until they get it. Well, uh, before we get too carried away with that, we sure. should introduce our guests. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, spitting up a hairball? What's Sorry, I just gave birth. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we have a guest, as we always do. She is great. She is a very talented writer and the writer and editor of the men's magazine, Mel. It's Alana Hope Levinson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited Uh. to be here. Yeah, so, so we all saw the movie together. Hours ago. Yeah, hours ago. We were discussing it at lunch over Thai food, 
And also, we all uh, saw the the first version of the movie that came out in 1971, starring Clint Eastwood. Well, I saw half of it. I kind of fell asleep, but oh, enough to, yeah. enough to get the gist. Mm-hmm. Enough right. to be angry about the remake. Right, right. And so, and I. We were talking about this as well. It's like, I don't know how I would feel about this movie if we had just seen it and it didn't have context of the first movie because a lot of what we've talked about so far has been pretty like comparative between the two. But the right. first one's better. First one is Here's the thing. so much better. I hated this one. I thought it was not a good movie. I thought a lot of the interesting scenes and interesting characters in the first one were either very glossed over or entirely omitted. Like, the first one handled just different components of storytelling so much better. Rising tension and characters manipulating each other, etc. Like, so much better in the first one than in this adaptation. More orgy scenes in the first one. Automatically makes it better. It doesn't pass the Vectal test if there's not an incestual orgy scene, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, with the updated terms and conditions. Right. Um, Maybe that's the Loftus test, actually. Oh, is that? Oh, the Loftus test is the baldest Bald. woman is in charge. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> cool. This movie does, does not... Well, there's no bald women. All these women, they have elaborate braids. They have two. Yeah, the braids, were, too the braids were a little out of control. The like, braids, come on. Yeah, it was like we know that. The Civil War is going on. Who's right. braiding your hair? Who's, and, and, and how long? Okay, we will summarize the movie in a moment. But first, who gave Elle Fanning a crimper in 1862? <laughs> It was so distracting. No one else got a crimper, but she's like, I'm the wild and loose gal. I just figured I have a she, like, she slept with braids in and then it, it crimped her hair. But but the crimping didn't happen before crimpers. You can't do you can't fold your hair like that. You can't well, she, do it. She like put her hair in braids and then and then a few hours later took wavy. them out and now it's yeah, it's, it looks crimpy. She would have had to have folded her hair in very tiny and then she would have had to have another student sit on it. Sit on her face. Sit on her hair. Sit on her face for several hours I to like. accomplish a look that was for no one except her. I mean, she did it for herself. Who gave her a crimper? That is an important question. Thank you for raising it. Uh, and it would be cool in the in the light that this was supposed to have been a kind of pulpy movie. Um, yeah. But the pulpiest this movie gets is you get a lot of tight shots on uh Colin Farrell's fucked up leg. But that's uh, about as <laughs> pulpy as, as it gets. As it gets yeah, you see like a little bit of, and that is gross, and I could not look at it. But some notes I took during the movie include Elle Fanning and her crimped hair is triggering me. How did Elle Fanning crimp her hair? <laughs> crimp her as weapon? That would have been cool. That kind <laughs> if of she happens, did have electricity or a crimper. That happens in uh, the movie Sleepaway Camp. Oh. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about. The beguiled. I just blacked out the movie because it was so bad. (laughs) I need a reminder of what happened in there. I'll do the recap. Right. So this is the 2017 version recap. Correct. So a young girl is in the woods picking mushrooms and she stumbles upon a wounded Union Civil War soldier. He has an Irish accent. Why? Wait an hour. They'll (laughs) they'll make up a reason. Right. And she's like, I belong to this seminary for girls, this school 
I'll take you there because he's wounded. His legs all fucked up. So he goes with this girl and they go to this school, which is run by Miss Martha. And then there's a teacher named Edwina. And there's like something like six other like teenage ish girls they're who are the all, students with the exception of one child actor they're all blonde on is right and the <laughs> the one that isn't blonde is chubby right yeah they're, and is like and is the worst child actor i've ever seen right right <laughs> so just uh, we've got to take her and bring her into the ocean <laughs> i feel bad for her let's not I, be mean to her no 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 <laughs> she i actually think she's super cute i was just saying she that is like cute. they they just love these like blonde, oh, ethereal, yeah. wavy, like, like yeah. hyper thin, like might fall over totally. if you cough around them, kind of a vibe. Yeah. L. Fanning, you've got some thoughts. If you, well, no, I'm just saying she like is. I feel like uh, one of the more recent incarnations of that. Sure. Exact. Well, when, when we were leaving the theater, I, I I do believe, and I love Kirsten Dunst and Nicole Kidman in movies that are not this movie and in things that are not this thing. But I do believe that Elle Fanning, should she actually go on to like have a, a lifelong movie career, will play a part exactly like Kirsten Dunst at some point, and will play a part exactly like Nicole Kidman's at some point, because this is like the path forged for the ethereal blonde. Right. They will, you know. Oh, yeah, just through the generations. There. Right. Yeah. It was like sort of three generations of, I mean, and, you know, depending on what a gen, how old is Nicole Kidman? Impossible to tell. Uh, she doesn't age. Right. She's yeah. just like a mythic figure to me. I don't, like, I don't know. It could be like she's 45. She's she 50. Could be, okay. She's 50. Oh, wow. So she's great. I wish they didn't put that wig on her in Big Little Eyes, but I love that show. Me too. I was going to say, I wish we watched that. Big Little Eyes was the best show ever. Nicole Kidman's wig <laughs> is talk? insane. <laughs> I know. Um, anyways, what were we talking about? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so he arrives at this house that they all have this school in, and they're like, well, do we turn him over to our soldiers? But he's wounded, and he'll just die in prison. Maybe we should nurse him back to health. And then we'll turn him over. And then they decide to bring him in, tend to his wound. And over the course of probably a few weeks, he starts to kind of seduce different of these women. From Miss Martha to Edwina the teacher to one of the older students. Although that that's a little tricky because she sort of goes for him first and then he right. but he does not resist in any you know true that's a tricky and these one seduction attempts i think happen more clearly in the 1971 version than they do in this version but basically everyone's very horny there's a lot of horny depth to this movie horny depth. we're back it's a tone poem it's a tone poem it is a tone full poem of horny depth <laughs> and you'll find the movies that we apply these tags to are rarely good movies <laughs> <laughs> a tone poem with a lot of horny depth is a way of saying, mm, probably don't see this one. Maybe skip it. So different of these girls get jealous and they're like, well, you like her? I thought you liked me. And Edwina catches him in bed with the Alicia character, Elle Fanning. So she gets very furious because he had been courting her, kind of. And so she pushes him down the stairs and it fucks his leg up even more. This and part is to... great in both movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is fun to see an A-list actor take a serious tumble. <laughs> so they decide to amputate his leg and he gets really upset that they cut his leg off. <laughs> he gets like, really what pissed. What have you done to me? me? He gets pissed. 
<laughs> he well, and also this is a fun Colin Farrell moment in the movie. He trashes the whole upper floor of mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. of their house and makes elephant noises as he does so. He's like he throws a right fit. Yeah, he does. He's pissed. Mm-hmm. Then tension is running thick in the house, <laughs> to say the point. least. <laughs> He's and threatening he's like, them. let me leave. I'm going to f- kill you all. And, he's got the only gun. Th- yeah. He yeah. takes their gun and they're like, what? oh, God, how, let's just let him go. But also, he's dangerous. He might kill us. So they decide to use his love of mushrooms. Not like shrooms, but just that regular. would make actually that'd be amazing. That would if, be like, if, this, if this whole movie was just about like tripping. <laughs> so they decide to they like form this plot to murder him by feeding him poisonous mushrooms. Meanwhile, Edwina's like, but I I still love him even though I fucked his leg up. She goes and has oh. sex with him, and then he eats the poison mushrooms and he dies. And that's pretty much it. That and is they, they're that's like, it. here, take this body, the Confederacy. Right. They they do sew him a shroud. What was that about? <laughs> that was weird. In the original version, there's like a full circle moment where it begins with them singing that song. I think it's Clint Eastwood breathily singing like, don't go to war. Don't <laughs> fall in love with a soldier. He'll hurt your feelings and war is not good and <laughs> it's supposed to be creepy. And I think the way I did it was too beautiful. <laughs> but, I have tears in my eyes. Thank you so much. But then at the end of the movie, they're ta- the, the women in the first movie are taking Clint Eastwood's shroom-poisoned body to bury it as opposed to leaving it out for the Confederacy. I think that in the first movie, the implication is they are just like, this never happened because technically... Who's going to come looking for him there? Right. So, but in the second one, for whatever reason, let's just call it laziness. <laughs> they do not bury him. They leave him out. Um, and then there's an excruciatingly long final shot because Sophia Coppola feels that we need it. Can yeah. I just I did say, not like this movie. <laughs> well, Alana, you pointed out that the plot of this movie is very similar. To, or like it could be like a porn movie <laughs> where it's just like... Oh, this hot, handsome soldier goes into this house of all ladies. And what's going to happen next? It's like the pizza delivery guy story all over again. Totally. Yeah, I feel like, and that's one of its strengths, the first one at least, is it really leans into that element where it's like, what is this? I mean, Sofia Coppola like rewrote it, the second one, but the first one was written by a man. The first one was written by a man and it was adapted adapted by a book that, let me double, triple check, but was, I believe, written by a man. Right. Because I feel like like a woman wouldn't dream up this plot, right? It's like there's this house of like sex-starved women because it's wartime and they haven't seen a man in ten years. And then this soldier who's like bloodied and hot, it like comes hobbling into their home and then convalesces. They nurse him back to health and then just like are immediately just like need the D and <laughs> all of them. all of them even, even the, the child. <laughs> but and, I thought you loved me. Oh my, oh my god, this reminds me of the part in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where I forget which uh, They're great knight. to women. Just kidding. <laughs> no, it's a terrible movie to women. But there's a scene where one of the knights finds this castle with all these horny ass women in it and they're like 
oh, you put out the thing. It's just like the, a bunch of horny women who are trying to fuck this one night. And he's like, I have a quest to get on. I, I gotta go. And then um, it's it's really funny. Good story, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I want to know why this story for Sofia Coppola. As we discuss it, I will also actively seek out the answer. But um, <laughs> why is this a story that Sofia Coppola is like, you know who needs to update this and whitewash the fuck out of it? Me. Also, just for, uh, I do have the Wikipedia page for The Beguiled 2017 pulled mm. up right now just to uh, put my mind at rest saying it's not making a lot of money. It isn't. But it's, see also film remakes, whitewashing in film. Those are the two yeah. suggestions attached to this video. And we and we should talk about that. But this talking about Sofia Coppola is tricky. It's hard to it's just it's hard. This movie debuted at Cannes and Sofia Coppola won the Best Director Award at Cannes for this movie for some reason. She Which has, is confusing. This is like she, it's not a good movie. But she was the first woman in fifty six years to have that distinction, and so and and is only the second woman ever to have it. So it's it's hard well, because the movie objectively blows. Yeah, but well, right. I, I, Good for her for winning uh, an award that does not often go to women. That's nice. Does she handle different parts of the movie well? No, she doesn't. Well, Alana, what's your experience of Sofia Coppola in general, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, growing up, was a huge fan because of Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation. Like, I, right. I think those came out when I was coming of age, and they felt really important to me, and still are, especially Lost in Translation. But I, I don't know. I kind of was like looking back at her filmography and I was like, she really hasn't made that many movies, um, especially like since. Right. I mean, yeah. so there was Marie Antoinette, Bling Ring, which I didn't, I didn't know was a movie. Um, no, Yeah. And I know that like her entire career, um, my friend Alana Massey, who just wrote a great book called All the Lives I Want, um, shout, wrote, out. shout out, writes a chapter about the virgin suicides and something I remember was just how harsh Sofia Coppola has been treated like by the press, even though, you know, she had all these advantages knowing who her father is, but like people didn't take her movies seriously because they were about women, especially Virgin Suicides, which was about teenage girls. But I don't know. I feel like now's the time though for her to like, like she can't just rest on that. Right. Right. It's, it's hard. Cause I, 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 the Virgin Suicides was one of my favorites Growing up, I, I for some reason didn't see Lost in Translation until like very recently. But and then Marie Antoinette is the best music video I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> yeah. life, even though uh, nothing happens and it's expensive. But like the, the she's very she you know, she's very visual. She tells for the most part what can technically be classified as women's stories, mm-hmm. and is part of such a small group of people who have like achieved mainstream success as a female director that it's like but that said this movie stinks Stinks. i hope to one day live in a world where there are you know just because we're women and she's a woman we don't have to be like cut cut her some slack like 
It's, I'm not a fan of her work. Uh, I don't okay. remember Virgin Suicides that well. I remember being pretty bored by Loss in Translation. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I didn't see... Um... Please fight. Please fight. <laughs> well, I, don't think, I also don't think her movies really age well is another thing no, I'll say. Yeah. That seems to have happened a lot. Yeah. Well, but it's like Loss in Translation felt like when you saw it at that time. Now there have been so many movies like that that if you see it, right. you're like, I don't get why this is... And even, like, improvements upon yeah. that same sort of formula. Where, I mean, at the at the time I saw Virgin Suicides for the first time, I was like, oh, you know, because, like, I'd never seen a movie like that before. And it was just, like, a cool... Like, the ethereal blonde is very appealing when you're young mm-hmm. and you're... Especially when you're, like, the same age as those characters and you're like, oh, I want to see myself as, like this very complicated tragic like you know whatever mm-hmm. also you know she is she is in her 40s now uh she's in her 20s when she when she directed virgin suicides and it's like there i don't know i just felt like there wasn't a lot of you watch virgin suicides you watch it lost in translation and then you watch this movie and there's just like not a lot of growth yeah. right and i mean for her and her position i mean maybe this is just me i don't know but I feel like she has a responsibility as like one of the very few kind of household name female directors to like make better movies that uh, well that's a better. hard thing too then <laughs> because it's like that because then we're like doubling down on I yeah I don't want to make her responsible for all women directors and like right. there's so many you know it's okay for a female director to have a crummy movie like right and like, it's gonna happen in an ideal world there would just be so many female directors that she's just one of the ones that I don't like and then there's a bunch of other ones I do like but because she's one of the more notable ones she has a lot of attention yeah. on her so right. then we're, we maybe criticize her work more but also like her shtick doesn't really work as well like in 2017 right now like right. you just feel you're like really like these like ethereal blonde white women like it just doesn't it doesn't like work in the current yeah. like administration world it doesn't feel like it's grappling with issues that feel urgent right now right you know what I mean? right where i guess it yeah because virgin suicides came out at the end of the clinton era okay where it's like uh, maybe maybe we're feeling a little more safe uh maybe we're feeling uh and and yeah like this is i don't understand why this was the moment for her to say I want to, first of all, make a Civil War picture, but I don't want anyone who isn't white to be in it because I don't oh feel like God. that's, yeah. and that's, you know, a whole discussion. And it just didn't make sense for me for this to be the story that she felt the need to tell because for, yeah, her signature style isn't super relevant to the world right now, I or I don't really think so, but you know, if you're going to, if you're determined to use that same format, then find a story where that makes sense. Like, at least for Marie Antoinette, mm-hmm. that format works because there's nothing pushing up against it. And and, and there's right. not really that much that she had to ignore and actively cut out mm-hmm. in order to accomplish the whole, you know, pretty music video. I just, it, I didn't understand why this was the source material she wanted to use. Uh, right i don't either uh especially because like you hinted at she totally deleted so in the 1971 version i'm guessing also in the book and who knows how many other characters from the book 
either adaptation left out. But in the Clint Eastwood film, there's, or the one that he's in, there's a slave character named Hallie, and she is the only woman or person of color in the whole movie. But that character gets completely erased in this version. And there's an article that I already linked to on our Twitter page that I recommend people read by Clarkisha Kent. It says, Coppola explained that she wanted to focus on the gender dynamics rather than the racial ones of this movie. And then the writer goes on to say that uh, I call bullshit on this mostly because black women find themselves at the intersection of both and because white women are not devoid of race no matter how badly they want to be. And then she goes on to say that Coppola removing removing the black female characters ensures that she doesn't have to deal with how white women were complicit in slavery. The counterpoint that she provides to this, because people have asked her this question. First of all, we would also like to remind you that Sophia Coppola does not know what the Bechdel test is or has learned in the past two weeks. Whatever. I get that, you know, sensationalism and, and, and clickbait, that's a whole thing. But her response to that was to paraphrase, and, and we'll post the sources for this as well, but that because she is a white woman of privilege, that she felt that she was not equipped to write a character who was black and who was a slave. And I understand that but i also feel that her job is to tell a story no one is forcing her to tell this particular story but it's the one she's deciding to tell and so if you're deciding to tell a story about the civil war that takes place in the south in 1862 then you're gonna have to fucking do your research you can't just cut out the parts that aren't immediately relevant to your personal experience if you know you have to do research you have to find someone to write the story with you you have to find someone who has perspective on this issue you can't just say like well you know i'm a white lady so i can only write movies with ladies who are just like me or which is what i was trying to say that's another hard thing to but she's wrong that's (laughs) what i was that's the point i was trying to make when i was like it's her responsibility to make better movies i didn't mean better as in like better quality although she could stand to do that as well especially considering this beguiled movie but i meant like she i think just has the responsibility because she's like i have influence in this world i can get movies made. I can make movies that a lot of people are going to see. I think then she has a responsibility to do what you're saying, do the research, include the characters that are relevant to the story and put them in there and or uh, pick a different, pick a different story that's more important. Or, I mean, if you don't want to make films like that, that's fine. Well, it's also weird to take a movie that is essentially like all about race and then say, I can't handle this in the movie. Like it's set right. in the middle of the Civil War. So like she can't really take it out of the movie. And she tried. Not, but there's it's not like, a non-white character in this whole movie. Yeah. It's crazy. So, you know, maybe she should have just set it in a different time period or something if she wanted to do that or like done a done different a movie. Modern about update of it or yeah, something. Yeah, like- sure. Exactly. It's like an apartment in Bushwick. They're stuck there for some reason. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it's about global warming. Like, oh yeah. It's, I'm trying to think. Up, of like, we saw the trailer for. Manhattan is Manhattan is sinking. So it's stuck. In, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. No, but yeah. But like, you can't. And I mean, also the reason why I think her reaction has really bothered people, and why it really bothers me is like this is the problem with white feminism. Is like, oh well. 
race and gender, I, I don't want to handle the race thing because they're not related. It's like, no, they're totally related. Right. And the fact that you deny that is really problematic. Mm-hmm. And just another way of being privileged and not having to deal because right. you don't exactly. have to deal with it. Yeah. And so, I mean, for me, it just boils down to regardless of gender, race, anything, do your fucking job. Like, and her job is to tell a story competently and in a way that because she's choosing to adapt is faithful to the source material. And she fails to do that in this mm-hmm. movie. Right. So no matter like, you know, she, she fucked up. Yeah. Right. She fucked up. And I think that because like some of the major themes of the movie are agency and the idea right. of being a prisoner, what that means, et cetera, et cetera. She actually does a disservice to her movie by not including it. Like, the characters' motivations don't make sense. You don't really understand what's at stake for these people. Like, their um, backstories, like, she cuts all that out because I think she's trying to, like, I don't know, she's trying to get around this. And I think she kind of shot herself in the foot because right. now it just, like, it just feels like a movie where women are wearing, like, shirts all the way to their neck and just, like, are walking around <laughs> in their house. Like, I don't know. It just lo- lost all, like, yeah. the depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the, the way it is adapted a little bit because I feel like she is, you know, it, she chooses this story for reasons I cannot find a concrete reason that she was like, this is, I must, I'm, whatever. Uh, but she has the interesting opportunity of she's adapting a story that was written by a man that was then adapted by a man, and she's adapting that. So she's in some ways kind of the first female major creative hand to even be involved in this story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, cuts out so much and, and, I mean, most notably cuts out the only non-white character in the entire story. And there is in the book, Hallie, uh, the slave character, was altered from the book to the first movie, but she's still there, you mm-hmm. know. Um, she's there, and I would argue is the most interesting character from yeah. the 1971 film. For sure. I mean, it's like, you know, she... She, I mean, she's there, and then there, there are a few great scenes between her. I want to make sure I, I get the actress's name. May Mercer plays her in the 1971 movie, and there are several scenes between her and Clint Eastwood's character, John McBee, that are, you know, if not perfectly done, at least thought provoking, and her character is given fucking screen time and perspective. There's the scene where. She's helping him out with whatever his leg is always bleeding, it seems like. <laughs> and they have this conversation about being a prisoner and and freedom. Oh, and then he's all he's like, you and I should be friends. We because Clint, he's always looking for allies. <laughs> he loves yeah. an ally. That's, but, um, that's Clint's whole game. He's basically he's like, who's on my side? Implying that, like, I, I'm fighting for you. Like, I'm fighting for the union. So right. we're trying to end slavery. And she's like, white men aren't killing each other because you care about us. And then she says the N-word, which I'm not going to repeat. So because you care about us black people will say but she's the best character in the in that version yeah she's of like the, the truth teller that actually like she connects all of the characters like the ideas back to the state or the politics which i think is really important like i'm trying to think right. of it's the other it's so relevant to like the time and the place that they're in that right not having her right. there is crazy yeah like, like there's this one conversation where like he says we're both prisoners 
which is interesting because he sees himself as like a prisoner in that house, even yeah. though they've nursed him back to health. Yeah, and she's he's like, the only difference is that I can right. run away, which is an interesting thing to say because it's like, well, she can't really right. either. Right. But what does it mean to be like physically held in a place versus just versus just being a by slave? right, right? And I don't know. So it's like all of those, and she's also the only one, right, that like shoots him down. Yes, so there's a scene late in the movie, and this this exact character switch happens to both Clint Eastwood and then Colin Farrell, who plays his character in the modern movie. Uh, but it makes sense in the 1971 movie and is completely out of nowhere, borderline confusing in this adaptation. But towards the end of the movie, McBee's leg is amputated, mm-hmm. uh, and we are led to believe in both movies— Rightfully so, like they had to do it, but he doesn't believe that. He thinks that they amputated his leg for revenge. He realizes his leg is amputated. He freaks the fuck out, takes the only gun in the house, and basically, you know, now all the women in the house are the prisoner and he's not anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's yelling and he's in the first movie. I mean, he is like pretty, he's like, I'm going to rape everybody. Yeah, he becomes like a feral beast. Yeah, like, it's extremely... He goes... Okay, the the best scene in the first movie (laughs) is little Amy who rescues him. Also, we we haven't talked about how he Frenches her. We'll get there. We'll get there. there. Um, But little Amy who is in the first movie especially in love and has like the uh, this crush on Clint Eastwood has a pet turtle and <laughs> for some and in both movies it's like why would you do that but she is holding her turtle and Clint Eastwood yanks the turtle from her and flings it across the kitchen <laughs> and it dies and and then this and I feel like for that audience that's the point where we're like Maybe he's not a good guy after all. (laughs) He threw that turtle. But after he basically says, okay, you're my prisoners now. I'm going to have sex with whoever I want or I'll kill you. And then the the white women disperse. Uh, (laughs) They're like, okay, sir. "Ah." And and then there's another scene between uh, Clint Eastwood and Mae Mercer where he says basically, he's like, well, you're first, like, come down to the basement we're doing this right now and uh she is the only person in the entire movie to openly defy him as opposed to all the you know tricks that the movie is is based around and uh she you know she basically says you'd better like it with a a dead black woman because that's the only way you're going to get it from from me is like you know Mm -hmm. over my dead body basically and then he folds and leaves and that is the last major interaction those two characters have yeah and that felt like an important thing to happen Mm -hmm. not just because we needed more of that character but also because she's the only character who Who is not actively manipulating it and she's just like no all these other women these stupid white women are like falling for well well, his (laughs) there'd be no movie if the white women weren't so dumb right (laughs) (laughs) that's most movies right? right Yeah, so she's the only one who, like, sees right through him, doesn't fall for his tricks and his manipulations. And then all the other women are like, oh, I, I haven't seen a man in four years. Oh, my southern bill and I just want to fuck. That's what they say, right? Yeah, they're I mean, was that both, during horny. both versions, I was just like, this guy ain't shit. Like, he's not, like, yeah. he does not... Like, it would be one thing if they set him up as, like, really charming. He doesn't even... He's not even that charming. 
Right. Uh, get Ryan Gosling to play him. Maybe I'll play him then. Clint Eastwood seems crazy from moment one <laughs> in the first movie yeah. because he first scene makes out with a kid yes he makes out with a here's, kid here's what happens he <laughs> she finds him he makes out with the- some other soldiers like he hears them off in the distance and he doesn't want to get caught so he's like i have to kiss this kid as a diversion oh is that why he does that, it i, I thought it was because oh, she I was like about was to just... die and he was like oh i'm going in and out no of right. just... i was thinking of it like uh <laughs> to to invoke a past episode of the cast i was thinking of it like a random like oh this is kind of scary uh like when brendan fraser lunges at <laughs> rachel weiss when he's in that cage in the mummy, in the and, mummy. and is just like i kiss you because i wanted to and then you're like that was it might have that, that but I think that was motivated by there were soldiers running past yes, so he's like if true. we're just kissing they won't bother us I guess oh, not an I excuse. a 40 year old man French a child. Well he goes yeah he's like no one will notice anything. He hears around. the soldiers approaching and then he goes how old are you and she's like 12, 13 in September and then He's like old enough to kiss, and then grabs her face and kisses <laughs> her. Says old enough, <laughs> or it's, old enough for kisses, or something it's like that. Bananas, God. and it's, and then which, she's, and then from that moment on, because she's you know twelve, she's like I love him, right? Because she kissed. her character actually makes the most sense in my mind. I agree, but she's the I only agree. one where you're like, okay, I get why you're in love with him because you're twelve, and like this is and he's crazy. we're being led to believe a charming, handsome man, even though no one's really proved. <laughs> that to us in either movie but sure sometimes he's irish sometimes <laughs> and well but like amy i i like amy's character well and so. i think outside of that is like this the new movie basically just kind of takes out all of the sexuality i mean it's there right. a little bit but in in the first movie part of what makes it so great is it's just like like there are all these like sexual fantasy scenes and flashbacks right, and stuff yeah. and it's interesting that when a when Sofia Coppola adapted it, she took away like all of the female sexuality. Like, why would you do that? Unless her argument is like, oh, that was because men wrote it and they were like trying to like write in these like porny things. But I think but it it's just like that now. Now we just have a boring movie. Yeah, and what are we supposed boring. to do? And it's like, for example, Elle Fanning, her character in the first one is like incredibly hot and also just like really, really like. She does like a all like frame- a sed- full blown seduction is like right. Oh, you won't like. I know more than you think. Like I would be his royal penis cleaner. Call back to <laughs> coming to America. Wow, I love this because oh. she's like I'd clean in places that you wouldn't. And right. then like she's Edwina's so like horny. you're such a hussy. She was hussy shamed, and I don't care for that. But and that's what I'm going to call slut shaming from now on. But again, that's like the another character where okay, first of all. I this is a fucking southern gothic story and the point of southern gothic stories is that most of the people in them are like deluded and strung out like that's like a hallmark of the, of this genre of mm-hmm. like you know and we we have the ingredients for that where it's like these women have been stuck with each other for a long period of time they're always in danger but they're also extremely bored you can see why and and the the book in the 1971 it's too much it's like the miss martha apparently used to fuck her brother <laughs> and and thinks about that a lot and then goes to clint eastwood and is like well it won't be the same but <laughs> but I you'll do sort of and i mean but there's like you see the sexuality like play out because that's really what the story's about it's a softcore porn right 
with a theme yeah. and nice costumes. Well, I mean, at its core, uh, I have a big problem with any rendition of the story. I haven't read the book, but with right. both versions of the film, it's basically suggesting that there's a group of women and they're getting along fine in its the Civil War, but they're still trucking along and learning French and everything's great until... Yeah. A man shows up, and they just all mm-hmm. want to fuck him. So they're all they're jealous of each right. other, and they're like basically everyone's world falls apart because of the introduction of this man. So I think a better version of this story is he comes along. He's an enemy. They take him as like a prisoner of war, and they feel compassion for him. So they're like, we'll nurse him back to health. We don't want him to die per se. Right. But then he as as he starts to try to manipulate these women. A better version of the story would be if they don't fall for it, right. and then they have to retaliate and be or like, "If it kills you, yeah. yeah." If at least one of them doesn't fall for it for three quarters of the movie, <laughs> right. it just goes on for so long, like scene after scene after scene. Even in the good one, it's scene after scene of like a different girl goes into his room, he seduces them. Now he has another ally. And then we see a bunch of near misses of the women talking to each other, and it's like, "Are they going to find out?" No, not this time. But at least there, there's some suspense. This, oh god, I couldn't stand it. There's no suspense. It's, there's not yeah. really any. Ma- there's not a major character that has a lot of doubt in him, which I thought was interesting. Shout mm-hmm. out to my favorite movie, Doubt. Uh, <laughs> but, but there, it, I feel like that. I mean, and this would go all the way back to when the story was originally written. But like, there's you know six. There's seven women in this house. I think. And not, you know, and I feel like there's one of them, like the little girl who plays the fiddle what is sometimes the, like, I don't, I may, don't know. May, yeah. had, that's, she was the one. Like there is one girl who sort of had some doubts, but she was in no way a major character and was always just there like, no, we want to fuck him. Shut up. Like it, it would have been interesting if there was like a little, a little agent of chaos trying to figure out mm-hmm. what he was actually up to versus like trying to fuck him but that's uh that's a note for everybody <laughs> not just for <laughs> Sophia Coppola. oh another scene that was uh in the original version that was taken out of this one was again Sophia Coppola just erasing any moment of tension that might be was when the confederate soldiers come to the house right. at night and they're like we we're here to protect you and they're like actually we're okay and they're like no we really think you should be protected by us and they're giving off very rapey vibes and miss martha keeps insisting like no we're fine please leave now good night thank you and then they're just like they're very persistent and it's extremely uncomfortable and it's very tense because all the girls are like scared and rightfully so because they're presumably coming in to rape them all they think that i mean it seems like they're right like no matter what soldier comes to the house Regardless of what side they're on, they're afraid of all of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure that Sofia Coppola, like, do they ever say the word rape in the new one? They they may say rape so, one time. I feel like maybe, maybe in the once. first scene where someone's like, oh, you know that all those Yankees are going right. to oh, rape us. I think right. they do say that yes. one time. And then there's another scene where when the soldiers do show up, but Sofia Coppola is like, you know what? Moment of tension. Don't yeah, not going to show it. Yeah. Don't need it. More they just pink. come in and uh, they're like, where are they? She's like, they're in the kitchen yeah, just, getting a bite to eat. You know, made them Sammy. You know what I feel? <laughs> I feel like she, 
it wasn't even that she was like her answer of I just didn't write it in because I don't know their perspective. It's almost like she took that original script and was like, I'm going to write out any like I'm not going to touch anything that's going to get me in trouble on the Internet. Like I'm going to write out right. the rape. I'm going to write out. Which, and like, in so doing. And in so doing. Gets got herself in it. It's like she just kind of like every every kind of thing in the movie that was like interesting and sort of edgy she just decides to not address which is super weird because it ends up being just the least edgy or interesting movie in the world it's weird what she keeps and what she doesn't and there is like nicole kidman does say at one point after she makes the soldiers sammies and they're downstairs <laughs> we never even see them leave they're never referenced again that i remember but there's like one of the little girls leaving and saying like oh can i go downstairs and say hi and then she's like nope don't tempt them and i was like yeah, we, okay we so must that's... remove temptation right, right. Right, but um, in the other one, you see them like leering around, and they look like all drunk but and scary. Like, right? They're so they're so. Creepy. It's a very tense scene, and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I was exactly. worried for those girls and right. women because I was like, they're yeah, going to force their way you, into the house. And by the way, and, then you get the context of like why it's so hot that they have this guy that's kind of their prisoner because mm. the way that sexuality is framed in every other context in the movie is like them being raped. So it's like kind of cool that like you you understand like oh there's this guy he can't walk and he's safe. Yeah. At the very least. He's Until non threatening right. for now. Right. Until yeah, and then, then the night. Night. I are throwing turtles around. <laughs> now now we're all in trouble. By the way, the old turtle toss. Back to back to the crimping. Was anyone else like <laughs> they had turtles as pets back there? Where the fuck Where did they, they get, get a turtle? turtle? Yeah, the from the swamp? Yeah. yeah. Maybe from the swamp. I mean, I got my turtle in like San Diego back in the day. I got my turtle at uh like I, at like some boardwalk. There's yeah, like I bought it on the side of the street. Anyway, I, it's a little crazy to me that, you know, during the Civil War, there were pet turtles. Who knew? Uh, something that Sofia Coppola kept that uh, that bothered me about the first movie and was like one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, this movie and its source material is written by a man. So there is that major moment where Edwina catches L. Crimped Fanning. <laughs> Alicia. Is her Alicia. Carol in the first movie and McBee in bed. This mm-hmm. is a huge moment and then after uh we we break uh colin farrell's leg and it's all fucked up and gross there is a brief exchange in both movies where Elle fanning lies and is like he came after me he attacked me you know and so she's trying to get herself off the hook by basically saying that he raped her right to which edwina responds in both movies by being like oh she's such a liar you know, and then Miss Martha says, well, we don't know. It could be either way, mm-hmm. which is just like a dangerous precedent to set no matter what you're doing in it. And yeah, but it's 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 hard because it's like that is crucial to the story. But that bugged me in the first movie. And I was like, oh, well, it seems like Sofia Coppola is writing out a lot of stuff. Maybe what's what she going to do with this? But she's like, nah, kept it. keep it. I um so that character, her her name is Carol in the 71 version. Only character and Alicia. changed. In the yeah and yeah why did why I don't know what's wrong with Carol <laughs> oh probably because that movie Carol <laughs> oh <laughs> you guys should do that movie we should do Carol no two characters in any movie can have the same name so no, no. sorry I mean the main well, male character's name, name is John after all he's the first John in any movie yeah. yes but Carol is an iconic name Carol come on. <laughs> but um I liked that character Carol in the 1971 version. I just like that she was in control of her sexual uh, sexuality, and she's like, "That's a, a guy. I don't want to fuck him." And so, what if I'm 17? I'm gonna still yeah. old enough for kissing. <laughs> old enough for kissing. That's what they say because they set it up that you know she just is. I mean, she's a teen. She's fooled around mm-hmm. before. It actually makes sense that she's like gonna fool around with the like 
soldier that's convalescing in the next room. It's with like the older characters that it doesn't make as much sense. Right. And again, it makes sense when Clint Eastwood does it because he's actively manipulating everyone. But Colin Farrell's version of this character is not actively manipulating everyone. So it's confusing. Like, and especially when, if we had just seen the 2017 version, I would have no idea why he goes to Elle Fanning's room instead of Kirsten Dunst. That would make no sense. Like, I don't get, in the first movie, he's sort of blackmailed by Carol, who gets jealous at one point in the movie and basically tries to sell him out and and give him up to the other soldiers and almost gets away with it. Mm -hmm. And then he finds out that she was responsible for it and she was just like, well, don't make me jealous. And so Clint Eastwood in the first movie is like, threatened by her and a little bit afraid of her. Better go fuck her then. And he's sort of like, I mean, she's really the only character that he seems like threatened by until he loses his leg. Uh, and and he loses his shit but like it makes sense why he goes to her in the first one because he feels like she has some sort of power over him and has the ability to fuck him over so of all the options he has set up for himself right so even though like carol isn't an admirable person i don't like her or identify with her but i just like that she was sort of playing his game. She's like, well, if you're going right, to manipulate all right. these people, I can yeah. do it too. So it was just at, le- it was at the very least I actually kind of do, if I had to pick one and I was watching the 1971, I was like, who do you identify? It would be Carol. Carol. I don't know. Carol's kind of <laughs> badass. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think she's a very interesting character and Edwina is a little bit frustrating because she's so naive, Ugh. especially in the first movie. Poor Edwina. I feel for her. I feel like I most closely identify with Edwina, and really? I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I hate, in, in the Coppola version, I hate that character. She's, I mean, everything in the Coppola version is worse, but... In the first one, she's she's like, I'm 22. And then he, like, kisses her. She's like, I don't know how. And he's, oh God. I don't know. Like, I, I feel that way all the time. Where <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Don't hurt my feelings, please. And, and like, I don't know. Her naiveness comes across in a more right, convincing more way. genuine. And, Alana, yeah. you were saying this earlier. Like, for that character, Kirsten Dunst is not of an appropriate age because she's no. in her early 30s and it, it wouldn't make sense that a woman in her early 30s would be... Is she real? I thought she was older than that, but maybe she's I'm wrong. She's 35. Okay. But, like, they don't they don't state Edwina's age in this movie. They do in the first one. They say she's 22 mm-hmm. and that she's been in this school for seven years. Right. So it totally makes sense that her attitude towards men would be like, ah, I don't know. Right. I don't trust you. And... This is something I wanted to talk about. Again, it's a big comparative thing. But in the first movie, there is this whole built-in structure where every major female character is made clear that they don't trust men. And Clint Eastwood sort of asks all of them, why don't you trust men? Men are great. Men are great. Men are cool. (laughs) Can I fuck you? Men are great. Trust us. We're cool. It's told through sometimes flashbacks. Sometimes they just state it. But we figure out why every woman in the house doesn't trust a man. Sometimes it's, whoops, I fucked my brother. <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, like a, fa- a father issue. And it's yeah. like everyone is given some sort of reason of like why they are not so quick to trust him. And that felt like really of all the stuff in the in the first movie, something that 
could be really useful to Sofia Coppola. Right. Yeah. Um, and these are reasons, they're giving reasons why they don't trust him, but in doing that are also explaining why they end up doing it so easily. Like, they have right. these issues, right? So it's like, oh, I had this thing happen which makes me not trust men, but it's also why I'm kind of like, just want to believe that you're different, sort of. Exactly, but, right. But, but right. Which is but, a relatable thing. Yeah, totally. Um, but then they just take that away and you're like, I'm... None of that is is given in the new one, and I really the thing I really liked about the first movie is that we the first character we meet in both movies is Amy. Mm-hmm. She's picking shrooms. <laughs> she comes across She's a, a shroom ghoulish head. soldier. She's like, I gotta get my psychedelic fix on. Gotta do these shrooms. Depending on the adaptation, she franches them, right? <laughs> And and it's again very like cheesy in the first one, but it's a Southern Gothic story, so it's supposed to be. But where like Amy is talking to Clint when he's I don't remember. It's either right before he loses his leg or right after. I think right after. And oh, she finds out that he'd been hooking up with everyone she's ever met in her entire <laughs> life, and, which must be hard when you're twelve. I'm like, you fucked everyone I know, and it's really just getting her ready for what it's going to be like dating. It, it's sort of yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm just prepping you for this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get to college. It's yeah. rough out there. Um, but he's like, fucked her all the maternal figures she's ever had. And, you know, there's, like, the little child actor, and she's just like, but I thought you loved me. And he was like, I do. <laughs> and then she's pissed, and then he throws her turtle, and then she's like, I'm he needs to you. die. <laughs> but but by the end of the movie, where Amy is sort of the driving force between so many major events, where she finds him, and at the request of Miss Martha, she gets the stuff to kill him um, by picking the poisonous mushrooms. And by the end of the movie, you almost get the feeling that it's like, oh, this whole movie is Amy's future flashback to why she will never trust men is because this handsome... (laughs) We are to believe this (laughs) handsome soldier who Frenched her while he was covered in dirt turned out to be a pretty bad guy. <laughs> Who would have wow. thought? I know. I know. Did, was anyone else mad? Like, basically, when he's around, like, threatening them with the gun, and I keep thinking, like, there's one of him. There's, like, ten of you. Someone know, kick him. Fucking, and then, but then when they're, like... We have to we have to poison him with the mushrooms. I kind of wanted to. I just kind of wanted them to like get the gun and kill him. And I was like, why do they have to? Why do they have to kill him in a, like this feminine way, which is like poisoning you with the food we make, right? And maybe that's a that's a function of the time. But I wanted them to go straight up, like just yeah. Like, just a, there pl- were hatchets around. There I was, was a say, just a plot yeah, question. Like, they fucking knives. Off. Oh yeah, they cut his. <laughs> no, they're like they, we need they to have kill weapons. Him. We need to kill him in a dignified way by watching him choke to death. Right? Because someone's like, <laughs> let's hang him. And they're like, well, let's not resort to such brutal. <laughs> it's like you're, you're gonna pull them like i mean and maybe this is maybe what they were trying i the closest i can get to devil's advocate there is like maybe they were trying to express some sort of double standard of because at the beginning right, they're like right. you should have just let him bleed out not our problem and then they're like but we don't want to kill him even though he's fucked us all and it, it wants to kill us I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe, but I'm, I don't know. Cause I feel like if we're supposed to see this as some story of empowerment, I don't know how we're supposed to see this. No, that just no didn't feel like <laughs> no. very, I, I was just kind of like, uh, if Sophia Coppola had, uh, okay. Okay. I'm not, I'm sorry to keep Rewrite yelling at her. That they like take <laughs> a saw and, and just fucking story. hack him into a million pieces. Right. Like there was no, this was a redo of the first movie 
with no details changed, but many just left out. Like, there wasn't much altered. Shot in the same house that Beyonce shot Lemonade, Mm -hmm. adding more insult to the fact that she omitted the black character. There also, there's like a scene or like a shot in The New Beguiled where Elle Fanning does exactly what Vivian Lee does in like a scene in Gone with the Wind. And I just, I'm just like, I'm going to fight Elle Fanning and I'm going to (laughs) win. Wait, what does she do? How dare you? She pinches her cheeks. Oh yeah, to make them red. Right, which is what Scarlett O'Hara does right before she goes to meet Ashley. And anyways, this movie stinks. (laughs) Don't invoke a good movie in a bad movie. That's mean. I have never seen Gone with the Wind. But wow, it, it has like, it, it has gosh. its problems. Yeah, it's, oh, it is okay. one of the I, best movies of all time. Yeah, okay. It's one of my I know that you like it. One last thing I want to say is that usually when we talk about a movie in the context of this podcast, it's like there aren't enough women in it, or the men outnumber the women, and that's certainly not a problem that this movie has. But I don't know. This is just a complicated movie to talk about because. There are characters that I suppose are somewhat developed, although in this version we don't get a lot of their backstory or their flashbacks, so we don't really understand where a lot of them are coming from. So that's a bit disheartening. But the problems that a lot of movies have in portraying women don't really apply to this movie, but there's a a whole other thing that's wrong <laughs> with this movie which is like a man shows up and everyone is, fucks everything well, up yeah i mean if it passes the test but it also the main problem of the movie is though that like these women have no identity outside of the guy that they want yeah right. the man is the inciting incident right. to the movie so it doesn't it's like cool that there are a lot of women in the movie but i'd take less women for ones that had more agency outside fucking this guy who sucks right like this movie passes the Bechdel test but the issues of why it doesn't pass more are like basically baked into the story itself right right so it's uh, which is interesting that's a that's a new problem mm-hmm. for for us there's always a new problem <laughs> there's always there's always something new it speaks to why the test actually like isn't it enough the test it's for true. sure isn't it's enough. true yeah um, which never no not that you said it was but just <laughs> saying like you know you can pass and still be like really right. Although most of the scenes where women are talking, they are talking about John McBee. There's a few where they're not. They're taking French lessons. They're talking about French. They're talking about stitching but and other those, household chores. All those things that are designed probably to make them more attractive to a man, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Like, right. That's why you go to those etiquette schools. classes. Yeah, so that, then right. you can be like. Oh, look how... Give, they're not going to France. Look at what a son yeah, yeah, no, no one's taking these girls to France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all their conversations are like, learn how to stitch so that you can stitch clothes yeah. for a man. So you can, babies. <laughs> so you can yeah. kill a man and stitch him a shroud. <laughs> they Which, used that. I guess that's yeah, cool. That's that's that. that was cool. That was fun to watch a child do. But this story could just be so much more interesting if they, instead of all just succumbing to his like stupid seduction techniques instead we're like i see right through you you're not gonna trick us you piece of shit we're gonna fight back or if like if it is about like women's sexuality and them Mm -hmm. like discovering and they all fuck him and and he's not manipulating them into it maybe he's just like let's all just have a poly relationship all all seven of us it is a team 62 (laughs) that would at least be more interesting than the movie that we have here i mean and it would facilitate the orgy scene that i wanted right uh i think for me the, the story like it i don't mind that everyone's horny I think if there was one character who expressed more doubt 
Shout out to my favorite movie town. If there was one character who was more fucking suspicious of this person who they know is the enemy and it would make sense to be suspicious of, the movie would be very different. I mean, in that way, it's just like a really sexist movie that basically it's like the second this man comes in, they all lose their minds. Right. Because they're smart. They're in school. Yeah. Yeah, like, especially in the first one, they set it up that Martha is like a really kind of like no bullshit kind of ball buster. Oh, yeah, because they know? have that like that moment where, where you can hear their thoughts in the first movie sometimes oh, where yeah. Hallie's like, oh, she does have a point of weakness. I was like, oh, she's a tough bitch. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what we're supposed to think. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah, everyone in this movie needs to grow up <laughs> and get a library card and move on with their lives. Well, in 20 years, I will readapt this. And oh, cool. I'll make it better. Here's the thing. I think that someone could have adapted. Like, I I'm, don't know a ton of screenwriters right now off the top. But, like, I, there is a way. There's one right could... here. Do I have a master's oh. degree in screenwriting oh from Boston University? Yes, I do. Well, you, should, you should adapt it. Thank you. But you can see it being adapted in a really cool way. In totally. a cool, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, but, like, adapt it. Don't just yeah. do it again. Mm-hmm. We should get Quentin Tarantino to do it and make it that just them blowing him away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, end of movie. It's more of a short. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's more of a short, the way that some people would would do it. (laughs) Let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Okay, cool. We have a scale of zero to five nipples, where we rate the movie based on its portrayal of the women characters in the movie. Um, Five being the best. Five being the best, zero being the worst. I'm going to give it... God, this this movie's so hard. I would say two... Is that being too generous? Not generous enough? I don't know. You went first. Okay. So. <laughs> You're setting the I'm bar. sending the precedent. One, I was very annoyed that she, that Sofia Coppola got rid of the Hallie character, the one person of color in the story who was the most, to me, interesting character in the 1971 version. The fact that, as we discussed before, like um, a man shows up and everyone loses their shit because we're like, oh, we want to fuck him and now we're all jealous of each other and we can't handle this competition and we're just petty toward each other. Like, that's not good. And a lot of their backstory is just omitted so we don't really know a lot about these characters they're not that well fleshed out or developed so just overall like while women outnumber men in this movie by a lot at what cost what did the nipples look like the nipples <laughs> i've never said that seriously before <laughs> I was like, what is she about to I'm say? You had a, you had a, I looked really pensive. Sorry. You, did, you had a very grim look on your face. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Oh God, I was thinking about the rest of my life for a second. The Sorry. nipples belong to... Okay, well, turtles don't have nipples, so it can't be the turtle. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. We wish that they did, but they are reptiles. I suppose they... Be- my nipples go Amphibians. to Colin Farrell. Amphibians. Whose nipples we see because she scrubs them. She's like, I'm the royal penis cleaner, and I'm going to pull down your undies a little bit and scrub your hip. Whoop. But also she scrubs his nipples, and that that's what my nipples either. look like. She's scr- no, no, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. No. There's no. a whole thing of, like, stop objectifying if- Colin Farrell. And it's like, <laughs> honestly... Stop objectifying Colin Farrell. I was turned all the way off. <laughs> I was like, if you're going to objectify him, can you make it not be like his weird hip bone? That's not a right. hot part. Like, and can God, we, like just show his open wound again. I like, I would prefer that. that she like doesn't like to fuck or something after seeing this movie. Like, it's so sexless. And even the shot of Colin Farrell that's supposed to be hot 
is it it's hot? like yeah it's like if someone describes sexuality to an alien they're like <laughs> this is what humans like call it feral's hip bone it's like this is no. not what we like this is not what we wanted this is not what we signed up for yeah i just i don't know how she i mean i feel like most of her work there's like a lot of I think restraint mm-hmm, and sure. sexual restraint, and that's a big operating thing. But this, then again, don't adapt this story. This is a fuck story. Yeah, <laughs> know what you're adapting. Right. If if you're not, if you don't want fucking in the movie, that's okay. But then don't, don't adapt the fuck story. Right. Yeah. Because there, you're not going to make anyone any matter than if you take a fuck story and you take all the fucking out of it. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna get pretty mad. You can yeah. take the fuck out of the fuck story, but you can't. Take, take the, the fuck sto- out of the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take the story out of the fuck. Something. I'll figure it out and then I'll tweet it. Okay. <laughs> Be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm going to give it two as well. Although I, I, I'm almost tempted to go a little bit lower. Yes, um, I was too. But I, I mean, it's hard because I, I feel like the two versions are so conflated in my head now that there are a lot of things I liked about the first movie that the second movie just does not include uh, and doesn't replace with anything. So it's hard to. But anyways, I'll I'll stick with two. I just think that the the story is troubled from the start, but with this adaptation, just nothing interesting is done with it. I know that mm-hmm. we hold Sofia Coppola to kind of a, a harsher standard, whether we want to or not, and that is not fair. But if you're an auteur filmmaker, I, I feel like it's not completely unfair either it's tricky uh i hated this movie (laughs) it put us all in a bad mood and i wish that she had chosen a different story to tell for this one Mm -hmm. agree the nipples go to (laughs) amy little 12 year old amy hey old enough to kiss (laughs) (laughs) leave it in don't edit it out i look forward to your responses (laughs) Okay, We're I'm giving gross. it zero nipples. That's Hell yeah. how much I didn't like this movie. <laughs> okay? Love it. And I'm not harder on her. I mean, think about if this was directed by a man, how what if Michael Bay directed this movie? Oh my God, you would be like, <laughs> right. take, you know, I just like, feel these like... women have no agency. You've taken out all their sexuality. I feel like I would be more exhausted and by if a man had directed this movie and not disappointed, which is sort of what I yeah. hate okay. to admit that I feel. But I do feel disappointed that a major female director had all these missed opportunities Mm -hmm. in this story about women. Yeah, I just think, just looking at it from a pure storytelling standpoint, it was just super bad. It It just was super bad. None of the characters had motivations. Honestly, it wasn't even that beautiful. Like, the way her other movies, you know, it's like Marie Antoinette, you're like, okay, whatever. Like, this is cool to watch. And the costumes, the costumes sucked. Very quiet. See, I kind of like the costumes in this movie. I mean, I liked when they got dressed up. That was cool. (laughs) Sofia Coppola is also, like, known for having cool soundtracks on her movie. Oh, my God. No soundtrack. Silent. Silent movie. Oh yeah, not a lot of score. Just, better, just movie better be house. good if you're not playing any hot tunes. Yeah, I was like, I was like, where's the awesome? <sighs> They're like, let the kid play the piano again. Let oh. her play a little jaunt. So I just Sucked, was like, what does this have? What does this? Why am I watching this? It's incredibly boring. It's so all boring. the oh moments God. that could be like milked for tension are just like, nope, sorry, nope. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a fuck story. If you're adapting the fuck story, you gotta let him fuck. And she did a bad job. Wow. I mean, even the sexy nighty was not hot. 
the sexy nighty was not hot. The sex scene was not hot with no. with oh, Colin Kiki Farrell. and was that? Colin. Was that supposed to just be like a little? Ru- I didn't even. I don't know. He like fell over because he, <laughs> he has one leg. He only got one leg. He's like, <laughs> and then he I guess landed oh. inside of her <laughs> because he was. It was a lucky fall, and he Gosh, was leading just... with his hard cock. And <laughs> then they had a scene that you're just like, Ugh. And well, by the way, you're yeah, like waiting. At for least this he's about song. to die. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm sorry. Skip no. this one, gang. Yeah, Skip uh, this watch one. the the 1971 oh, yeah. version. It's, it's really... not perfect. It's not even great. I would say, but it's there's so much there. better. If you want to watch oh, an yeah. adaptation, oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely. The one. And sorry that we talked as much about that movie as we did about the 2017 one. So there's at least stuff to talk both. about. Yeah. yeah. Alana, thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks for having thank me. You. Sorry, I just... Go get your phone fixed. Oh, yeah. My phone's broken. I don't know. You're uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish well, I could blame that on the movie, too, but unfortunately... She got so mad, she threw it. <laughs> she threw it at the screen and it broke. <laughs> During the Colin Farrell hip yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you online? Um, you can find me at my favorite website. It's really healthy to hang out on it. Twitter.com. Twitter.com. Fun at, hang. At Alana Levinson. Yeah, awesome. that's where you Everyone should find me. I mean, follow her there. And read her work in Mel. It's so good. Read her work Thank everywhere. Yes. It's the best. Read Aww. our uh, uh, work. I don't have any out there, but... <laughs> hey, watch my cartoons. I don't care. Anyways, yeah. hey, uh, here's a fun new thing you can do is give us money. Oh, yeah. uh, and so before we go, you can check out our Twitter, Facebook, all the channels you would normally check to find our new episodes. And if you want to kick us a little donation, $1, $2, one million dollars <laughs> um it all goes towards the production cost of the show and we would very much appreciate it and we love you so much yeah so you know if you like the episodes if you like us kick us a few dollars that'd be great you can go to paypal.me backslash bechtelcast to throw a few dollars our way cha-cha-cha love uh, it <laughs> um follow us and goodbye bye Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.